Debit fraud reached an all-time low last year in Canada, and according to a new report out from Canada's primary payments processor, Interact, EMV is to thank for the continual decrease in debit fraud losses. What's more, debit fraud dropped 27% in the last year alone from 2014 to 2015, in spite of attackers' more sophisticated efforts to bypass EMV protections to breach retailers' payment systems. Here, Mark Sullivan, head of fraud market management at Interact, explains why debit fraud is decreasing in Canada, where fraud is increasing, such as the card not present environment, and lessons the U.S. can learn from Canada's EMV example. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Mark, as I mentioned in the introduction, debit fraud in Canada reached an all-time low, and according to a new report out from Interact, debit fraud has declined every year for the last six years. Is the reduction primarily attributed to a reduction in skimming attacks? Primarily, it's, it's attributed to the introduction of EMV or CHIP to ensure that the cards themselves are at the highest level of security and platform that they can be. And with that, we have introduced a lot of groundbreaking forward program solution. And by that, I mean to go alongside the technology. We are utilizing our fantastic relationships with everyone, consumer, merchant, acquirer, issuer, to ensure that we have the best level of education. Prevention is always better than cure. Um, so running the two side by side with the technological advances and, and some state of the art world beating uh, technology that we do have here to monitor, then it's driving the, the, the criminals away from this particular type of transaction. Although even though the, the numbers have dropped considerably and, and have really plummeted in the last six years, any fraud on the network is too much and somebody does get affected by it, but we're, we're gradually seeing it erode on the, on the Interact Debit and the contact list that goes alongside Interact Debit. So you said that EMV is the primary reason why you've seen this reduction in debit fraud. When we look at debit fraud, there's many different angles that we could take there, Mark. So skimming attacks, of course, we know are quite easily foiled with EMV chip. But what about some of the retail breaches we've seen? In the U.S., we've talked quite a bit about this, that even though we are making a migration to EMV chip, it wouldn't necessarily prevent the compromise of certain bits of card data that we've seen compromised in recent retail attacks. Okay, great question. And here's where the differential comes. With Interact Debit, we do not have offline, and therefore each transaction is an online transaction. So a data breach becomes non-existent for the debit card holder. There is no information stored of the consumer, the individual. There's no identifying features in the transaction that has just taken place is not stored anywhere within the data of the hosting merchant. And that data is, is a one-time transactional code, if you like, that will never be repeated and is used because of the fact the whole transaction is online and not offline. So data breaches are you know, in, in the news all the time and they're in everybody's you know, forethought about protecting their own personal security, but when you actually look at it in relation to Interact Debits, it's something that we are not susceptible to have not been susceptible to and, and will continue not to be susceptible to. So let's talk a little bit about the migration to EMV because Canada, of course, has really kind of set an example. The migration to EMV in Canada was much faster than the migration that we saw in the UK. And as you and I have talked about before, Mark, just the debit losses that you're talking about here kind of also overshadow debit losses that have been experienced in other EMV markets. So Canada initiated its migration in 2008. How long has the migration taken to complete if it is complete? So the way we did it was to formulate a risk-based strategy. Again, size of country, which is obviously something that very much matters in terms of where we're looking at the risk. So we chose with our partners, the issuers and the acquirers, to adopt a strategy whereby from day one we would target primarily the highest risk, generally the highest densely populated areas, 
where the most transactions were taking place and then begin to roll it out into every other area. We've just completed at the end of 2015 the last portions of the rollout. We're virtually now 100%. There are some small areas where we do have a couple of bits to continue, but everything will be converted and completed by June of this year. The challenges have been to, to make sure that everybody is on board as to where that risk first entails and, and, and first is identified. But once we've got those sort of schemes together and we've got the issuers and the acquirers to look at individually where they're taking the most risk as well, then being able to facilitate, guide, in some ways mentor, the ability for the institutions to move to ENV in a fairly rapid way that was in immediately uh, able to curtail losses. It was basically an easy way to show how good the system is and how easy it is to roll out. Uh, obviously, it's a cost. Obviously, it's a time cost, both a technical cost as well. But when you look at how effectively it, it's been introduced to the current standard we have today, then the whole process has been fairly rapid because we have worked in a very much a partnership way, not leaving anybody behind, making sure we have an overall consortium market picture and then, you know, encouraging people to move in a way that is realistic and deals with the risk uh, as much as they can and as soon as they can. So what about card not present fraud? As you've seen a decline in debit fraud, have you seen upticks in CMP fraud? Okay, at the risk of sort of sounding somewhat complacent, but with Interact Debit, there is no facility for the use of Interact Debit for a card not present or person not present transaction. I think as I said before, that the, the fact that all transactions are in real time and are online means that we are not susceptible for any of the card not present fraud. If a card is reproduced, there is no way to physically use it, unlike other payment schemes where you're able to you know, copy the card, the number, and then you use it in a card not present fashion. My comment as an industry professional is I see from recent interaction with Europe and, and travel to the European Union, that the card not present fraud demographic, if you like, is continuing to grow in a way that is not sustainable in the way that it's grown in the last two or three years. And I'm told that in some markets it represents you know, upwards of 65% of all fraud against the payment system. So whilst we don't have that particular weakness, if you like, or that particular part of our market, we're obviously very aware and and want to help as much as we can. And we find that as a beneficial byproduct of the education that we do with specifically consumers around the safety of the card and keeping their PIN safe and protecting the way that they insert the PIN when they're at an ATM or a point of sale, and also looking at their statements to ensure that there's been no unauthorized transactions, the beneficial byproduct of that is, is to enhance the safety and security of a consumer across their entire financial opportunities, both credit and debit. But as I say, just to reiterate, the, the interact debit card cannot be used in a way that card not present would be able to be utilized. Let's go back to a point that you mentioned there, Mark, and elaborate a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing overseas. Much of the fraud interact has seen itself on the debit side in recent years has come from overseas transactions in markets like the U.S. that have not been EMV compliant. Is that correct? Yes, basically uh, any market where there is an absence of uh, total or any cover from an, an EMV platform means that 
the individual has to revert back to utilizing the MagStrike. So what we see is fraud in two ways, really. Number one is the, the consumer traveling to a third country that does not have the EMV platform present and is actually subject to a skimming attack whilst they're physically in place. So, you know, a family on holiday or a businessman or woman on travel, then they are susceptible to having their card skimmed at an ATM or point of sale terminal because there is no EMV platform present in the country that they're in. Or on the other hand, the other rise that we've seen and certainly conversations we've had recently in Europe are where the cards themselves are skimmed in host countries and then are sold online or packaged and removed through you know, using email or whatever uh, and then reproduced in a third country for use by criminals at ATMs and point of sale terminals. Uh, hence the reason why you know you hear in Europe of these terms of geo-blocking and in some cases I'm told a secondary card being issued uh, to allow for that card to be used only outside of the host country. Uh, some simple steps that they've taken as well have been uh, certainly, if you look at some of the UK and uh, France and Germany, so the sort of um, the Western European states, a lot of them are taken to when you log into your online banking, you're unchecking the box of the country you're going to, which which really is a play on call, what we used to have to do, which was to call the bank and let them know we're leaving the country, sort of thing. Whilst EMV within the nation of EMV, if you like, if the globality of EMV was 100%, then this level of fraud would not be occurring. But even though you're a mature market, then you still have an Achilles heel for your consumer for whenever they travel to a third country that does not have EMV. And as I said, secondly, is the skimming can still take place as, as a majority of countries that, that even have chip cards still maintain the magnetic strike because of the fact that they have to be used outside of country as well uh, and may not be recognized if they don't have the strike. And then you're in a situation where those, those cards can be skimmed in the host country, which is EMV compliant, and then utilized overseas. I should say that the, the catch rates, if you like, the, the ways in which the um, financial institutions are able to determine that fraud is occurring and to, and to put a stop to it are immensely advanced in terms of where they may have been eight or ten years ago. So whilst this number that we look at and we say, you know, of the transactions that we've looked at, but, um, the reality is, is even those overseas losses are tiny in comparison to the overall loss that was felt on the system only six years ago. While domestic begins to decline and really be squeezed out of the market, as certain countries that are very popular become more in via compliant and have more deployment, then again, we should expect to see less foreign exploitation, which is, you know, a difficult part for anybody. Mark, let's go back to talk a bit about the real-time transactions. You know, this sounds to me like Interact's really been able to control fraud because of the way it processes transactions or allows payments to be transacted. Why aren't other markets or networks doing something similar? I don't know is this sort of honest answer. I would say we, we don't comment on other payment schemes, quite honestly, because we aren't able to sort of have any insight into how those schemes are utilizing their products. And, and uh, we don't want to enter into that sort of debate. But the reality is, is the way the system is set up is the fact that you on Interact Debit cannot have an offline transaction, no, there's no way of having that transaction occur. So anybody that is able to have transactions that are offline will have an extra dimension of opportunity for the criminals to sort of attack, if you like. But as to why and how and all of the other questions that go alongside that, I, I have no knowledge uh, or no wish to sort of uh, have a conversation about what the other payment schemes are doing. Well, so based on the way that Interact conducts its transactions, do you think that the migration to EMV in the U.S., will have any impact on 
upticks in fraud in Canada? Do you think that there could be some fraud that migrates back, or is that not a concern? Not a concern. In sort of straightforward terms, if you are a account holder who has been issued with a EMV chip card, the moment you insert that device into a system that is EMV compliant, then the first thing the computer or the system will ask is, you know, hi, why are you not chip? And that's the end of that. <laughs> and I think, you know, sometimes we labor over the technicalities of everything and we describe things in very long-winded ways. And I think that's just the simplicity of it all. The card basically says, hello, I'm here. And the, the answering institution says, well, you're supposed to be something and you're not, so goodbye. And that's the end of that. So migration of fraud, it, it can't return here because if there is chip on both sides of any particular border in any particular part of the world, then both protect each other because the, the chip is being asked for in the same way. So we don't expect to see it bounce back up here because of the maturity of the market here. Uh, what we do expect to see is that certain losses, once the EMV standard is 100% adopted in any, any country, then we would expect the types of fraud that occur uh, at ATMs and at point-of-sale terminals to, to decline fairly dramatically, which is what we've seen in every other market. And, you know, with that, I'd like to ask you, you know, what about some of the lessons that the U.S. market can learn from Interact's example? What do you think we can expect to see here in the U.S., even though the market is very different? What could be the lessons that we could take away? Well, I think, to, and again, it's not rocket science, but from a security sort of fraud perspective, uh, one thing we've seen is that in any country where EMV is in the process of being adopted, where specific timelines have been published, there is also an appropriate and elicited response from the criminal fraternity who realize that the window of opportunity is starting to narrow. So therefore, we have seen in every market, be it the English or the Canadian or the French or the German or Norwegian markets, we've seen before the full adoption of EMV, we've generally seen an increase in the amount of attacks on the system, which is generally the sign of a of the dying opportunities, if you like. So that's one thing I would expect, which means more vigilance. We we work very well here in Canada with law enforcement as an example where we would be able to, through our consortium view, work with our partners in the issuing and acquiring space and move it along to be able to actually have effective action where uh, data is telling us something is happening and research tells us, you know, the daytime place perhaps and then being able to have those relationships with law enforcement whereby law enforcement is taking action on the ground to deter because every time you arrest a group of these individuals and you take away their means to conduct more attacks, the process of doing it may be fairly swift but the technology is quite expensive and, and they don't want to lose any of it so the seizure of property is, is consistent and constant to also the prevention message because the more headlines you have on the front page that a specific area that has perhaps been the subject of, of attacks, which is how it goes, generally heavy, heavily populated areas, because criminals don't like to stand out. Then once you start getting that whole public-private partnership moving along and people are actually being brought before the courts and property is being seized, that serves as, number one, a preventative deterrent to criminals conducting the same sort of business or wishing to get into the same arena. Uh, but also, number two, it heightens public awareness. And it, what we've found, and I think what every other mature market has found, is that the public are fantastic at being able to spot 
what is occurring at some machine or within a business that you know they don't like. They feel that there's something occurring that shouldn't be occurring, and they generally will report it, if not to the police, then to their own institution, who will in turn report it to the police. So, my advice would be to anything is, is increase vigilance because you know safety is coming, but now is the time where one would expect in any, whether it be it in the criminal world or any other world, when you, when the market starts to move in a direction, generally, if you're in the commodity that's shrinking, you need to get as much out of that commodity as you can before it's gone. Um, so it's sort of common sense, but the building of relationships between the public and the private sector has been the bedrock of how successful Interact has been in working with multiple partners, government businesses, private sector businesses, and then obviously law enforcement and the judiciary. All of those together have enabled us to really help squeeze the criminal aspect out of the market and to absorb those attacks that took place prior to EMV for conversion uh, in a way that we, we mitigated so many of them before they became a significant loss to the system. That's really important. I think those models of public-private partnerships globally in most types of businesses and forums have always yielded great results because when you get the right people from different sides of the same equation working together, uh, you generally get the answer that you need. Well, Mark, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Very informative and very good points about the public-private partnerships. My pleasure, and thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, as always, thanks very much for being able to sort of present a side of the positive nature for change of, of what's happening with uh, us fighting against the criminals. Again, we've just heard from Mark Sullivan of Interact. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.